Well, good morning again to everybody and welcome now not only to those of you who are here in our contemporary service, but welcome especially to those of you who are joining us in our traditional sanctuary right now and online and via broadcast. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad that we're all connected this way so we can learn and grow together as followers of Jesus Christ in this church family. The message series that we're right in the middle of right now, we're kind of at the midpoint of a journey. This is a four-week series, and today is week three. And this series is really kind of the culmination of about a year-long process that here in our church we've been calling Vision 2020. For those of you who maybe have been here in past weeks, you know, or as you've been a part of the last year, that we've spent some time together in prayer and discussion, some focus groups, some time in worship, and we've been asking in prayer God, what's your vision for us as a church family? What are the, what's the next places you want us to go, the next hills that we can take together? And I think one of the most important things that's come out of this process, there's more, but I think probably the most important thing is the reminder that what we need is not just clarity, and we need clarity on where we're gonna go next and what we're gonna do together next, but even more than we need clarity on that, we need real clarity on who God is making us to be, not just what God is calling us to do. Who are we and who is God causing us to become in Christ? And we started this series a couple of weeks ago by remembering and grounding ourselves in some events in Jesus' life in particular and some stories that he told to explain his own set of values. When people challenged him and wanted to know, why are you so frustratingly committed to valuing and spending time with people who are kind of the the wrong kind of people for you, Jesus? He responded and told some stories, stories about the gracious, generous heart of God, stories about the heart of the Father that goes running down the road and chasing after his lost children, no matter where they are, far away or nearby. Jesus said, you, know, you want to know why I value what I value? Why am I committed to live and act and teach the way that I'm committed to live and act and teach? It's because of the heart of God. It's because of the heart of the Father. And Jesus told these stories in order to show us the heart of the Father, that we would know God's incredible grace and compassion for us, that God is on the lookout for us and wanting to welcome us home into his family. Jesus wanted wanted to show us the heart of the Father. And he also wanted us to share the heart of the Father. He wanted us to embody the heart of God, the gracious, seeking, loving, welcoming heart of God in the same way that he did. He invites us to be his disciples and his apprentices in the heart of the Father. And we said, no matter what we do next, whoever we become, no matter what we value, no matter what, where we go, it all starts here. It all starts right here in this commitment to the heart of the Father in us and God's commitment to people. And then we said, if that's our heart, though, let's get a little more specific. Let's talk, if that's our heart, let's talk about our fingerprint as a church community. And we've begun talking about some of our core values as, as the First Lutheran Church family. And a couple weeks ago, actually last week, we started with two values. And I want to review them with you right now. They're actually on banners in both of our worship venues. One of them is on the oh, kind of brownish banner. It says, Jesus makes us family. Jesus makes us family. We value that, that Jesus welcomes us all into the family of God and connects us with one another and makes this a safe place to belong, to be welcomed, to build relationships with one another. So Jesus makes us family. Can you repeat that right now with me? Let's say that together. Jesus makes us family. And we learned our second core value last week also. Our second core value is also hanging kind of on the side, on a banner in both of our worship venues. And it says there on the green banner, deep roots make good fruit. So can, we, can you repeat that after me? Deep roots make good fruit. Thank you. So we know that Jesus came not only to connect us with one another, but also to connect us with God. He came to connect us with the very, with the very spirit of God so, so that God will strengthen us and grow fruit in our lives. This is what Jesus said. For our lives to be fruitful, one thing, just this, one thing. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. 
Today I want to talk to you about two more core values. And the first one is also on a banner, but in this case it's in the front of both of our worship venues. Today I'm talking about the blue banner that's up there, and it says love pours out. So let's say that one together too. Love pours out. Okay, that's all the talking you have to do for a while. Now I'm going to do for a while, all right? So love pours out. Love pours out. This is a value that we have in our congregation and we've tried to honor for a long time. I've told this story a number of times over the years, and thanks, thankfully, it's actually changing as I tell it. So let me tell you about something. A number of years ago, I've noticed actually for a long time, that when I'm out in our community somewhere here in White Bear Lake or the surrounding area, I'll meet somebody at a park or a store or a restaurant, and if I get to know them a little bit, they'll find out what I do with my days, that I'm here as the pastor of First Lutheran, and then a lot of times we'll talk about, now what church is that, and I'll describe it, it's on Highway 61 down there, kind of big steeple, lots of shingles, you know, the big roof line over there, and a lot of times they'll, they'll still say, oh yeah, I know, that's the church by the polar bear, right? Just south of the polar bear over there. Now, that's not a bad thing. I'm glad we have a visible location. People remember where that is. That's just fine. But I started to think a number of years ago, wouldn't it be nice if we had like a, a deeper reputation than that, a broader? What if, what if we could be known for care, not the bear? Huh? What about that? Eh? What if we could be known as the church? I, w- I would tell people where I'm a pastor and they go, oh, I know that church. That's the church that helped my brother-in-law when he was going through a hard time. Oh, I know that church. That's the church that's such a blessing in our neighborhood. I'm so, gl- I'm so glad for that. And I began to, I wonder if we could do that. And you know what? It's starting to happen. I was in a retail store not all that long ago in downtown White Bear Lake. And I was in there and I knew somebody in the store, but I didn't know the woman behind the counter. And it kind of came out as we were talking that I was the pastor at this place down here. And so, and then she goes, oh, I know your church. And like my radar goes right up, right? I'm like, oh, this is going to go. She's like, aren't you guys the ones with the big sign at you, the big food drive every year? <laughs> yep. That's the place. <laughs> Praise God. We're getting to be known for care, not the bear, right? That's what, that's what we want. Because love pours out. Because love pours out. And to whatever degree this is the reality in our life together, it is a reality we have learned from Jesus and that Jesus creates in us. Jesus is the one who teaches us to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? I mean, people who know next to nothing about Jesus know that Jesus was the guy who said, love your neighbor as yourself. It's called the great commandment. One time somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the most important thing in the whole world? But he was a Jewish, he's a first century Jewish person, so the way he said that was, what's the greatest commandment in the law? What's the most important thing in the whole world? What did God tell us to do that's most important? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That's the first part, because deep roots make good fruit, right? That's the first part, and then Jesus said, and the second is like it. The second half of the most important thing in the whole world is this, love your neighbor as yourself, and those two go together. But then I think Jesus understood about us that we are really prone to make up our own definitions of love, aren't aren't we? And we've got whole companies that do this. One of them is called Hallmark, and they print new cards all the time with new definitions of love. Some of them are really bad, right? But Jesus told us what's the greatest love. Greater love has no one than this, than that they would lay down their life for their friends. That's what Jesus said love is. Love is active. Love is an active commitment to work for the good of somebody else even when it might cost you something. Even when it's a sacrifice to you, you're committed to the good. You're committed to act for the good of someone else. Jesus said, love pours out. He teaches us to say, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about you. Love pours out.
And we're committed to this value in our church family. We've got, over the years, we've built up some really active service and partnerships to love our neighbors as ourselves, partnerships in Haiti, partnerships here in Ramsey County, some ministries right here in our own neighborhood. In fact, just for short, we call them Haiti, Home, and Hood. So in case you're trying to remember, we have a partnership in Haiti, partnership with Operation Home to serve homeless families right here in Ramsey County, and our commitment to love and serve our neighbors in our own neighborhood, Haiti, Home, and Hood. And you pour out love through these partnerships. You pour out love to orphans in the north of Port-au-Prince in Haiti who now aren't sleeping in ditches on the side of the road, but they have a roof over their head and they have food and people who care about them and they know that God cares about them. We're, you pour out love to the village of Susmatla, nearby our mission partner in Haiti. And now they know that there are followers of Jesus Christ half a world away who are committed to them, to pouring out love into their lives who are committed to clean water and sanitation and toilets and recreation and education in their village. Love pours out. You are pouring out love in their lives. Our Operation Home Partnership serves homeless families in Ramsey County. Probably our most visible partnership there is our, our involvement with Project Home, and we house homeless families in our church building for a month every December. But we also do all kinds of other things where you pour out love, fixing meals at the family place, reading bedtime stories at the family service center. Love pours out. In our neighborhood, we're trying to be a blessing right here in our own neighborhood. We host Fair for All once a month to provide discount groceries to folks in our neighborhood who could really use some discount groceries. Just yesterday, a bunch of you got together with work gloves and rakes and clippers and pruning shears and went out and did some yard work for some people in our neighborhood who needed an extra hand who weren't able to do that for themselves anymore. Why'd you do that? You bored on Saturday morning? No, because love pours out, because love pours out. We do love pours out in service. Love also pours out in the way that we generously share our resources with one another. We just took our, we just received, gave and received our offering here in Contemporary. It's coming up in the traditional service also. And the reason that we do that is because we want to pour out what we've been given to be a blessing to others, to support the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ, to share the hope and love of God with other people, sometimes in ministries that serve us. Oftentimes in ministries that don't serve us personally. Sometimes in relationships, people that we know, we share because love pours out. And when the spirit of Jesus Christ gets into a person, it just starts to create the fruit of generosity in our lives. Love pours out. Now, this value though, more than I think any of the other four that I wanna share with you, I think this value is open to being abused. It's open even to becoming a little bit abusive in our lives. And so I think it's really important that we know what we're talking about when we say love pours out. Because if we're not careful, love pours out can begin to sound like nothing more than a demand. Come on, pour out more, give more, serve more, love more, sacrifice more, get busy, work harder, pour out, pour out, pour out, more, more, more. I actually knew a pastor once who said, you should go back over your sermons for the last year, and if you could retitle every single one of them something like love more, give more, serve more, <laughs> you might be beating your people up, right? That's not the value that we're talking about right now, but it's possible, it happens to us. It's possible for a good, healthy sense of it's not about me to get kind of twisted into a feeling of, I don't even matter, right? It's possible for a good, healthy sense of, I'm here to care about you, to get twisted up and turned into, well, nobody really cares about me. 
I knew a, a Christian leader once who for a long time just led and served selflessly, and she knew this kind of a Christian slogan, a Christian motto is, die to self. I died to myself, and sort of just a way of saying that I'm not living for my own ambitions, I'm not living for my own interests or for myself, but I want to live for God, I want to live for others. And she gave a talk once, years later, looking back at how that had kind of gotten twisted up in her life. She gave a talk, and it was titled, I died to myself, and myself, I almost died. <laughs> Because this can turn into a downward spiral if we don't know what we're talking about. It can turn into a situation where we're not full and overflowing and just a, a channel of blessing to others, but it winds up feeling more like emptiness and more like pain and not like overflow. And the truth of the matter is that's, that's counterproductive. It's not helpful. It's not what God wants for our lives. And empty cups don't really pour very well, do they? But love pours out. And so it's important for us to understand, first of all, that the first love that pours out is not yours, and the first love that pours out is not mine, it's not any of ours, it's God's love. God's love pours out. It's God's love that pours out into our lives and fills us up so that we are able to pour, so that we're able to just overflow whatever it is, the love that God has poured into our lives. This is the very character of God. Somebody said to me recently, God is centrifugal, like a centrifugal force. He's pouring out. God poured out love in the creation of the world. When human beings rebelled against God, God poured out love in a plan to save humanity. God poured out love by sending Jesus into this world. God pours out love by pouring out his spirit, his own very presence into our lives. God's love pours out. And when we're not turning to God, but we're looking somewhere else for our fullness, and man, I'm as tempted to do that as you are, to look for fullness in different relationships and achievement and possessions and whatever, those things were never meant to fill us up and they cannot. Most of the time we'll mess them up and we try to make them fill us up. When we finally know that those things aren't meant to fill us up, but God is, and we turn our hearts to God and open our hearts and just receive, just receive what God wants to pour out into your life, himself, his love, his grace, his nearness to you. Then all of a sudden we get filled up by God, we get filled up by God's love and then we can pour and pour and pour and still be filled and filled and filled. But I wanna share a story about that with you actually right now. It's a story of a guy who's a member of our congregation. We captured his testimony on a video to share with you this morning. He's someone who struggled with emptiness in his life and then found what it was to be full and to pour out for others. So I wanna share that story with you right now. For most of my life, I didn't really have much faith or understanding of God's love. Uh, as a young boy, I was tempted by drugs and alcohol and, and grew up an addict. Uh, I lived that way through most of my teens and my adult life until uh, a few years ago. Um, those were uh, very difficult times. Uh, my life was a, a, a roller coaster. Uh, I'd get drunk and, and high and, and, and then experience guilt and betrayal and sadness uh, until, you know, I could get high again when, and at that point, everything was, was fine. Uh, you know, it was, I was totally empty inside. It was, uh, just very, very difficult. Um, my, uh, friends and family suffered. Uh, my career was a wreck. Uh, and then I finally hit bottom. Uh, you know, I lost my business, my dignity, um, everything uh, basically I was I was broke just struggling to even find a way to afford food uh, the emptiness uh, hit an all-time low 
you know, finally I, I just surrendered to God. I remember being on my hands and knees, you know, crying, just trying to understand and figure out a way to deal with this. And, and at that point, uh, there was no one to turn to other than, you know, God. And it was, it was through that, that, you know, through his mercy and forgiveness, uh, you know, I was, I was saved. Um, I surrendered my life to following Jesus instead. And, uh, through that, uh, uh, you know, Jesus has filled me up, uh, uh, if that, if it hadn't been for that, there's, there's, uh, there's no question that uh, I wouldn't even be here today. Um, uh, I couldn't imagine how uh, how much fuller my life could could be than it was then. Uh, um, my relationships have been restored uh, and given back to me even stronger than they were. Uh, my career is back on track. Uh, I have much more peace in my life. Uh, there's many moments that. Uh, Things were very difficult uh, to deal with. Uh, where now I just, you know, things are things are much easier uh, than they were then, um, and again, a lot more peace. Uh, one of the things I like to do today is uh, I compete as an age group triathlete and spend a lot of my free time training, which uh, gives me time to reflect on God's love and uh, how grateful I am for his mercy and forgiveness uh, for my sins. Um, it gives me a chance to pray and, and uh, think of ways that I can help others who are, who are struggling. One of the ways I like to pass on the love that Jesus has given me is through Project Home. Uh, we host the homeless in the church, and I volunteer, spend nights uh, with the families who are going through some very difficult times, and it gives me an opportunity to, to bless others who are going through uh, pretty empty times in their life. Um, uh, it's, I feel it's the least I can do uh, to pour out for them a small amount of the love that Jesus has given to me. You know, God didn't make us to be empty. He didn't make you to be empty. God made us to be full in relationship with him, and he made us to flow with his fullness, to pour out for others. I want to invite you to, to use this time right now even to think what God might be saying to your heart. My, the Spirit of God might be prompting you to reflect on that story, on these truths that we only love because God first loved us, and then indeed we do love. And there's a card that's in your worship bulletin this morning, actually. It says growing in our values on that card, and you can use that card. I want to challenge you to, to think a little bit about how God might be trying to speak to you about the fullness that he wants to give you, the grace of God for you, that you would know him in a relationship with him and be filled up by him. And maybe there's a way that God is prompting, in you, prompting you in your life to go ahead and open up and overflow and pour out to others and dream a little bit about how our church community can put down deep roots and be filled up by God's love and how it is that you and your life or in your family perhaps or in our church family can pour out love even more graciously, sacrificially and lavishly for the sake of others. 
As you use that card for your own ideas, for listening to God in your life, if you have ideas that you want to share with our church leadership teams, we'd love to hear them. We're hard at work laying plans for the next steps that we want to take as we become more and more the family that honors these values. And if you want to share those with us, you can put them in the offering anytime this week or next week, depending on the service that you're in. Or also, just drop them at the reception desk and we'd love to see those. Before we finish today, though, I want to share with you one more value. It's the value that's up in front now on the orange banner in front of both of our worship venues. And it says there, we invite first and next steps with Jesus. Now, this is actually the longest of our value statements. So if you can learn to say this one, you can learn them all. It actually, the full part of it goes like this. We invite everyone to take their first and next steps with Jesus. I'll say that one more time, then I'll invite you to say it with me. We invite everyone to take their first and next steps with Jesus. Let, let's say that together, everybody out loud. We invite everyone to take their first and next steps with Jesus. You know, a couple months ago, in a staff meeting, we were sitting around the conference ta the table in our conference room, and we usually start our staff meetings with a little bit of Bible reading and prayer together. And this time, we had a little bit more extended time for devotions, and we went around the table, and we all shared kind of our own faith stories, the stories of how it was that we had come take our first steps with Jesus, or for some of us who grew up in Christian homes, maybe didn't even remember the first steps, but times when we came to really own that faith for ourselves and take some important next steps. And as we went around the room, it, it became really obvious to me. We got halfway around, and I noticed, and all the way around, how every single one of us, no exception around the table, we're telling stories about people who had invited us forward in our lives. Every single one of us had people who had spoken into our lives and invited us maybe deeper into relationship with them, maybe into sharing their own life with Christ, maybe just forward into new steps of obedience or something in our lives. We all had inviters in our lives. And we just kind of stopped and spoke to one another and kind of invited and challenged each other to still keep our eyes and ears open for people who are speaking those words of invitation into our lives now, and also to recognize that that kind of mantle of responsibility is, is being passed on. When somebody's invited you into life with Christ and you see what a difference that made for you, you keep your eyes and ears open to speak that word of invitation, to recognize that you can be an important turning point in somebody else's life. We all have first steps that we have to take at some point. We all have next steps for our whole lives. And we learned this from Jesus himself, right? This, we didn't make this up now, but this is also how Jesus invited people into his life. One time in the, in the gospel reading that we read, the Bible reading we heard in both of our services today, Jesus grew up in and around the towns on the north end of the Sea of Galilee in, in the area called Galilee. And at one point he started inviting people to know God, to know God as he knew God. And at one point he invited a guy named Philip who grew up in Bethsaida, one of the small towns in that area. He said, Philip, come follow me. Come know God and walk, in the, and walk in the ways of the kingdom of God. And Philip said yes to that invitation and he began to follow Jesus. And then Philip shared that invitation with another guy. His name was Nathaniel, who was also from Bethsaida, that same small town. And he told Nathaniel, hey, we found the Messiah. He's here, God's Savior. It's Jesus, the guy from Nazareth, which was a town a little farther away to the north and west. And Nathaniel hears Philip's invitation and he's like, Nazareth? Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was not a great town in those days. In fact, it was so small that archaeologists for a long time thought the Bible writers made it up, that they never found the city of Nazareth. Now they found it. It was really there. It's a big, thriving city. But then he's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What did Philip say to Nathaniel? Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. Just come and see. He just gave him an invitation. That's all. Didn't debate with him. Didn't argue with him. Didn't persuade him. Didn't convince him. Didn't cajole him. Come and see, man. He just 
invited him. And then Nathaniel became a follower of Jesus Christ too. He took his first steps at someone's invitation and then took his next steps. A little bit later, Jesus was walking through an area called Samaria on his way south from Galilee in the north to Judea in the south. And as Jesus walked through the area of Samaria, like everything in the whole story is wrong. (laughs) Everything, it never should have happened this way. Jews and Samaritans don't interact. He runs into a woman. He's not supposed to talk to a woman alone out in public. She's drawing water in the middle of the day. People didn't go draw water in the middle of the day. They went in the morning when it was cooler. So she was obviously kind of shunned and shamed by her community. And he wasn't supposed to be talking to her. Broke all the rules. Nevertheless, Jesus finds himself talking to this woman by the well in the middle of the day. And he speaks into her life and he talks to her about the relationships in her life and about faith and worship and prayer and God and they just get way into it. And pretty soon, she goes back into the village that she's from nearby the well in Samaria. And she goes and talks to the people with whom I'm quite confident she had a very strained relationship. But she says, y'all gotta come and see this guy that I met who told me everything I ever did in my life. He understood. So she says, come and see, just like Philip said to Nathaniel. And they decided to go and see, and they go and they meet Jesus. And then a few verses later in the story, kind of toward the end of the chapter, they, these people who she invited to come see Jesus turn and they say to her, now we no longer believe Jesus just because of what you said, but we've seen him and met him for ourselves. You know, that's an invitation, right? She invited them, they met Jesus, and they took their first steps, then they took some next steps. You know, Jesus lived a long, long time ago, right? And his, his options for how to get the word out, his marketing options were kind of limited, weren't they? I mean, poor Jesus never could launch a direct mail campaign in his whole life. Never happened, no postcards in your mailbox. Jesus couldn't buy any Google AdWords. Jesus never had a sponsored tweet, a sponsored post. Poor guy couldn't buy 30 seconds of airtime to save his life. But he had a marketing strategy. Jesus' marketing strategy was a community of people who knew him and loved him and followed him and invited other people to do the same. And it turns out that kind of (laughs) worked. The word got out, didn't it? Started a movement that spread around the world and is continuing now, 2,000 years later. Jesus' marketing strategy hasn't really changed. It's not wrong to use direct mail or Google AdWords or anything like that. But you and I are Jesus' primary marketing strategy to let the world know what we have found, to let the world know about hope and life, and just point, not argue, not debate, not cajole, not scold, not convince, not persuade. Invite, come and see, come and see. Now, I think there's at least two sides to this. One of them is the realization that everybody has next steps. It's why the full text of that value says we invite everyone to take their first and next steps with Jesus. And it doesn't matter if your first steps were a long, long time ago. Mine are getting to be longer and longer ago all the time. It doesn't matter how long ago they were. I hope it, I hope it comes to you as good news to know that God is not done with you yet. To know that there are still next steps for you. That Jesus still says, come and follow, come and follow. Take this next step with me. And I think as a church, that's a value we can grow in. We can grow in knowing that we all still have next steps to take. But the other side of this that I think we can grow in even more is learning to value the first steps and learning to value the first invitations. I think as a church, not everybody as an individual, but as a whole church family, I think we can really grow in the practice of owning this value. As a whole church, investing and being intentional about offering first invitations and supporting and helping people take their first steps in the way that we conduct ourselves together as a church family, in the way that we lead our relationships and our family lives and our social lives and our work lives, in the way that we structure our programming, even our building, to be welcoming 
to those who are receiving their first invitations and taking their first steps with Christ. When I introduced these values to you for the first time last week, I talked about these values as being actual values that we, we really practice. But I also said they're, they're also aspirational values. We aspire to them. We want to own them more and more. And they're not just who we are, but it's who we're committed to becoming. And I think this is an aspirational value for us. But before I say anything more about this, and there's a whole lot more that I'd like to say and teach about this sometime in the future, but I'm just going to share a story with you. We have another testimony captured on video I want to share with you. It's a story about some students in our congregation, uh, two girls named Kara and Molly. Kara had grew up going to a private Christian school, not, not Magnus in here, but a different private Christian school, and eventually asked her parents if she could please be allowed to attend public school instead because she wanted to be salt and light for Jesus among people who didn't know him. And she went and was looking for an opportunity to invite, make friends and invite people to first and next steps. That was one of her next steps, and here's a story about her and her friend Molly. Grace was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a three-year-old or something. Okay, I, I say I looked like a five-year-old, not three. Okay, sorry. I don't know if three-year-olds can clap. Yes, they can. How do you know? I don't know, I've played this up before. first time I met Molly, um, on sixth grade, we were on the same basketball team, it was our first practice. I remember I walked in and like I didn't know anybody and so I was super nervous and I walked in and you were there and you're like, hi, I'm Molly and you were super nice and I was like, oh, I want to be friends with her. She seems really nice and so, you know, that's the first time I ever talked to you and it went well after that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been playing basketball together and I don't know, we've been really good friends. Best friends, right? Yeah, we probably get, became better friends starting in eighth grade, I'd say. Yeah, and yeah. we've gotten really close. We do like everything together. <laughs> I've gone to a private school my whole life from preschool, so I've always had like a strong faith in God and I've always known God, I guess you could say. But I've never had my own personal relationship with God as though I felt. And as I was getting older, I like noticed that more because usually when you're younger, you're like, oh, I believe in God, like, he's my savior, like, I know all of that, but I didn't believe what they believe. So then I decided to leave that church, and after that, I never really found a church that suited me well. Last summer, we were talking about church one time, and I knew that you didn't have a church, so I thought that it'd be a really cool experience and try to invite you to, to go to church with me. And you said yes. And so then you came to church with me and my family, and I don't know, what did you think of it? it was, I don't know, it's a good church, but you can't really say no when someone asks you to go to church, so. I don't know, didn't you say like you felt like, like it was like a home almost? Yeah, like, once you get like into it more, like it, like, like I said, like it's super welcoming and you feel like it's already your church, like when you first go there. Yeah, yeah and then you came to church for a little while, right, on Sundays? Yeah. And then I'm in confirmation, and I'll be confirmed next year, and so I invited you to go to confirmation with me on Wednesdays. And so then you came, and you got to meet my small group with Krista and everybody, and I don't know, I thought that went well. Yeah, it actually, youth group was prop or confirmation is what you guys call it. It was, all, it was really fun to go to that every Wednesday with you. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, that you've gotten, you're like our group now, and you're part of our group, and you've gotten really close with all of them, like all the girls, mm -hmm. and it's really fun. Yeah. I honestly don't think I'd be going to a church at the moment if Kara hadn't invited me. I probably would be just going to school every day. Like, I wouldn't not believe in God, but I would not be in a place where 
if Kara hadn't invited me to go to church, I probably wouldn't be going to church. And actually, that also led your older sister, Maggie. Mm -hmm. She is friends with my older sister, Dina, and she ended up coming. She's been coming to Wednesday Night Church with us now, too. <clears throat> so it's been, I don't know, a really cool experience for your whole family now. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think my whole family is going to start going to church now, too. So that's a big step. Yeah. I didn't really ever tell you about that, but yeah. <laughs> Stop Let our, let our young people lead us, shall we? Let me, uh, let me just use that story and this opportunity to invite you into a, a time to, to dream with me about this. Maybe if you want to continue to use that card that you've got, you can use that to make some notes or share some ideas if you'd like. But even think right now about your own story. And can you think of people who spoke important words of invitation to you over the course of your life? I mean, I look back at my story, I can remember multiple points, actually, because a lot of times it takes more than once. I can remember Mark and Jim and Eric and Joe and all kinds of guys who spoke into my life, inviting me forward, and maybe you can remember people like that in your life, and you give thanks for that and begin to even wonder, maybe I'm that person for somebody else. Maybe God wants to use me like that in somebody else's life. And what if, dream with me for a second, if we created a, a culture of invitation and next steps here in our church family? What if we all just naturally expected that God had next steps for us to take? What if we all just naturally expected that God might use one another, might use each other to invite us forward to next steps in our life with Christ and relationship with one another? And what if we began to grow in the value of first steps and first invitations also? What, what might need to happen in our lives? What sort of equipping, what sort of environment would we need to be empowered as inviters? What changes might need to happen to the way that we function together as a church community, to our church building, to our regular patterns and habits? Just dream a little bit. If God were going to grow us in this value, what do you think might happen? We've got one week left in this series. We're going to focus on our fifth of five core values next week. We learned last week that Jesus makes us family and that deep roots make good fruit. Today we remember that love pours out. And we're committed that we invite everyone to take their first and next steps with Jesus. And next week is kind of a mysterious value. Maybe you've seen it on our graphics or on our videos. It says 3165. And I'm looking forward to explaining that to you next week. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you so much for pouring out love into our lives. We really do look all over the place to fill up the hole inside of us, but only you can do it. And God, we pray that you would fill us up and cause us to pour your love out. And God, I pray also that we give you thanks. I pray with thanks for the people who have spoken words of invitation to us in our lives that have helped us to come experience your grace and your love and your purpose and your meaning for our lives. And God, I pray that you would heat up that value in our lives individually, in our families and communities and in this church family, that you would help us take our next steps and God, that you would make us to be gracious inviters for the sake of others that we would all together come to know the life that you have to offer us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.